0: To be talking today about why forgive part two. Last week I told you I kind of got into this message and it was pretty lengthy. And I said, we, we we gotta we gotta take this in bite-sized portions. So if you were not here last week, uh you can go back and listen to it, but that's what all the red is. That's that's what we covered last week. Because we've been talking about things that limit us in our relationship with God and with others. And if we don't catch these key principles, it will affect our relationships. And so Why forgive? And we talked about what forgiveness is not, what forgiveness is. So last week was uh, forgiveness is not a sign of weakness. Forgiveness is not pretending like something wrong didn't happen. Forgiveness is not admitting defeat and forgiveness is not covering up an injustice. So then we talked about what it is. What it is is, first of all, it's a choice. You and I must choose forgiveness every single time. If you're waiting to trip and fall into it, it's probably not going to happen. You have to choose it. Uh, forgiveness is more for us than it is for others. Forgiveness is a fruit of obedience. And forgiveness is necessary for healing. So we kind of broke down what it isn't and what it is. But here's the harsh reality. When, when it comes to forgiving, it's not always easy, is it? It's not. Sometimes it's going to take some work. We're going to we're gonna have to work and be flexible in the midst of this. But what I want to focus on today is this. How can I, or what can make it easier to forgive in the future? That's what we're going to focus on today. We talked about what forgiveness is not, what it is. And then today, how can I make it easier? How can you and I, how can it become easier to forgive in the future? Because we live in a world, in this world you will have tribulation, amen? But be of good cheer, the Bible says. How can I have good cheer? How do you be of good cheer? Well, first of all, you read the rest of the verse and find out he's the one that overcame the world. And when you lean into him, he sees the big picture. You and I, we just see snippets. You know what I'm saying? You know, we see it and it's our world and we think we see the whole thing, but we only see the whole thing of the one piece. God sees the whole picture. He's the author, the finisher, he's our creator. And so that's why we need to lean lean into him. But what limits that? One of the things is forgiveness or lack thereof. When we're unable to forgive, Uh, Or feel, let me just put it that way, we feel that we're unable to forgive. Because I I, want to guarantee you, every one of us has the ability to forgive. It's just whether you will do it or not. But if you're waiting to forgive somebody or someone or something until you feel like it, you're going to be waiting an awful long time. Because most of us don't wake up, uh, normally don't wake up in the morning and say, oh, I can't wait to get out of bed and forgive somebody today. Right? (laughs) It doesn't come natural we usually end up staying in bed because somebody has hurt us and wronged us. That depression weighs heavy like a blanket. So what are some of the keys? How can I, in the future, because since this world has trials and tribulations, I'm going to face some situations where I'm going to have to learn how to forgive. How about we just practice at becoming better forgivers, if that's a word. It is right now, so. How can we become better at that? you know, most of us think this, how can I avoid it? How can I just make everyone grovel at my feet and I don't have to worry about it a bit? Everybody would love that. That's called flesh, okay? That's just that flesh man that rises up. But, But the reality is, is if we don't learn to become better forgivers, then what happens is our relationship with God is hindered and then it shows up in our marriages. Then it shows up in our workplace. Then it shows up with our children and on and on and on. So, that's what we're going to focus on today. We were reading from Matthew chapter 18, and, and I'll read it again this week, but Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he communicates with them about how important prayer is, how, how important uh, it is for discipline to be in your life. And this is where he shares a couple verses that are what I called last week humdingers, okay? Because he says, here's some key principles. He talked about right before we, we read verse 18, He says that whatever you bind in earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Those are huge spiritual principles right there. But then he also says, wherever two or more are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. Those are some humdingers of a verse. And then the first thing that happens right after that is Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall a brother sin against me and I forgive him? It's almost like he's going, yes, Lord, there's a good key. Yes, Lord, there's another good one. And then thirdly he goes, so... This forgiveness thing, how long do I have to put up with that? How long do I have to tolerate it, is what Peter's saying. And he thought he was being a big man by saying up to seven times. That's pretty good. You know, aren't you impressed with me, Jesus? And Jesus' response was, no, but I say unto you 70 times seven. Which is not really a mathematical equation. Like at 491, clobber them. He's saying, let it become a part of your lifestyle. Let it become a part of who you are. Let it become a part of your journey and your walk. So Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I don't say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. For this reason, Jesus launches into, the kingdom of of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle his accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he didn't have the means to repay, His Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had until repayment could be made. So the slave fell to the ground, prostrated himself before him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave, fell to the ground and pleaded with him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what he was owed. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, the Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should not you also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way I have mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. And they said in verse 35, My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Uh, The key there is not just forgiveness, but forgiveness that comes from the heart. There's a difference between from the heart. I am so sorry that I said that. I'm so sorry that I did that. Please forgive me. Verses, sorry, you know, you don't, you don't mean one. The other one comes from the heart. The other one comes from the head. Uh, It comes from the the flesh. And he says they, it's got to come from the heart. So this, this principle of forgiveness is so huge. People are going to hurt you. People are going to wrong you. People aren't always going to be right. You may be the right one. They may be the wrong one, but yet you feel like you're the wrong one. Not everyone else thinks you're the wrong one. And then you're telling me Jesus is telling me to forgive those sorry monkeys. Yes. Yes. He says, why? Uh, that, that's the keys we're going to get into that will help us forgive in the future. Here's number one. Write it down. Remember that God has forgiven us. If you want to be a good forgiver, <laughs> then remember the great grace God gave to you and forgave you. He, he has saved you. Um, I, I can remember, I'll speak for myself, I can remember my days before Jesus. I can remember all the wrong choices. I don't sit down and think about them and replay them in my mind, but if I, if I had to sit down and think of all the stupid things I've done, I can come up with six or 10,000 of them. And Jesus covered them all. And if God can cover all of those with His grace, even before I was born and did all those dumb things, He's saying, how much more can you, you, know, you forgive? Remember how much you were forgiven. Remember the amount of grace that was extended to you. Because the reality is sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we just forget, don't we? We forget about the great price that was paid by Jesus. And so therefore, we just respond in the flesh so many times. We forget. And when we forget, we find it easy to become miserable. And then we start spiraling downward on this path of self-destruction. Oh, they hurt me. Somebody done wronged me. You know, and, and we start singing all these woeful songs and we become all dramatic when really what we're supposed to do is forgive. It doesn't mean that something dramatic hasn't happened. I'm not taking that away from you. I'm saying that your response in the midst of it should be one that remembers whether they deserve it or not. Even if it boils down to whether I, I want to or not, I will because I remember. The great grace that God has given me. I remember how much God has forgiven me. Sometimes, have you ever, and you don't have to answer this one, but have you ever had to forgive somebody that never asked for forgiveness? That's a big one. Well, that doesn't sound biblical, Pastor. That doesn't sound scriptural. That doesn't sound right. But the reality is, is if we don't learn to forgive people uh, and release that, then we're the ones that stay chained up on the inside. But it starts with number one, before I get too deep here, It starts with remembering that God has forgiven us of so much. And today, Christ tells us to remember that he first forgave us. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son so that he could pave that way, and his grace and his mercy was there. Imagine with me, if you will, having $20 million. Try to imagine that. Try to wrap your mind around that. Some of you here today are going, no problem, pastor, I got it spent already, right? But think about it, really. $20 million. It's a a story, so our brain can't really wrap around it, but let's say you paid all the bills, you're out of debt, all of that stuff. What are you going to do with $20 million? Well, I'm sure there's some things that you guys can come up with, but having $20 million in the bank, what could top that feeling? What could feel any better than having millions upon millions upon millions of dollars? Could anything top that feeling? And I would pose the answer is yes. Imagine having $20 million of debt. Now it just flipped, didn't it? Can you imagine being in debt, $20 million? There's no way that that you will be able to pay that off, not in your lifetime, or your kid's lifetime, or your kid's, kid's lifetime. You combine all that. There's no way that you could pay that off. Now imagine somebody shows up and says, I forgive you that $20 million debt. Done. I erase that debt. Could you imagine what kind of a feeling that that would be on the inside? Well, wouldn't you agree with me that maybe that forgiveness of the debt would far outweigh the joy of having the millions of dollars? Now, some of you may struggle and say, nope, I'd rather have the millions. But I'm I'm just here to tell you that with millions of dollars comes millions of problems. Uh, Stresses, worries, and so on and so forth. But you, you catch my heart, don't you, that we've got to remember that God, in his great grace, has forgiven us, and so he's calling us to be a forgiving people. If you want to be better at forgiving people in, in the future, remember how much he has forgiven you. It, it's extremely important. You see, forgiveness isn't about a feeling. It, it's, like we said last week, it's a choice. If you're waiting to feel like you're in a forgiving mood, before you forgive somebody, it's not gonna happen very often, if at all. But here's the reality. When we don't feel unforgiven, we tend to be unforgiving. You know, When we feel like people have wronged us and hurt us and they, they don't wanna forgive us or we don't wanna let them off the hook, we tend to do that with other people in our life. And that leads me to a whole other arena that we won't go, but I'll simply say this. We are called to live by faith, not by our feelings, because the reality is simply this. Nobody, nobody can make you feel something you don't already feel inside. So if somebody comes up and says, uh, I've shared with you before that I grew up with this little tiny voice in my head that you know I always thought I was wasn't smart enough, you know, or I was stupid. That that's the lie that I bought. I'm not stupid, but I thought I was. You know, maybe other people said that or spoke that, but here's the reality. Nobody could make me feel that way unless there was a little part of me inside that believed it. And that's what I had to go in and release. And even in that arena, be able to release that and say, Lord, forgive me for buying the lie that the enemy put in there. At whatever age, I wasn't even aware. But Lord, I surrender that to you and I release that to you. Now, do I still do stupid things? Big amen, both hands in the air. But so do you. It's not about being the smartest person in the room the classiest or having everything perfect in your life. It's about learning the art of forgiving because God forgave us of so much and he calls us to then simply obey and forgive others in our life as well. Now, when you don't experience or sense God's grace in your life and the forgiveness God has extended to you, then you tend to not be a forgiving person either. But on the other hand, when you do, and you're like, man, I can't believe. I mean, I just think back, I cannot believe the things God covered in the blood of Jesus, wiped it away, forgave me of my sins. And that's the kind of heart I should have with others. You're not being God to them, but you come to a place of saying, I release that, I forgive, I let that go. And when you can do that, then it starts to free up your heart. Because otherwise, if you don't, it blocks the flow of the blessings that God wants to bring into your life, as we'll see in a moment. And so we must work at understanding this price has been paid. We are called to walk in obedience as children of God so that we can learn to be a forgiving people. God is happy that that you know with the fruit of our labors. Um God, God is happy about that, but what he really wants is not just the fruit of our labors, he wants our heart. He's after our heart. He wants a heart that is broken, a heart that is contrite, a heart that is in awe of his mercies, because that's like a clump of clay that he can mold and shape. To, to define what that's going to look like in our life. And when we, when we have this heart of utter amazement over the fact that we are forgiven, then we will find it easier to forgive others in our life as well. Here's the point, and you can count on this. Someone who is harsh, judgmental, unbending, demanding, un, unforgiving, critical, ungracious, when they find someone else who has fallen into the, that same pattern, misery loves company, right? And starts to build their own kingdom. And that's not the kingdom that God has called to be here. It's the kingdom of God that is called to be here. And in this kingdom, the principle of forgiveness is huge. As I'm talking right now, maybe some of you have thought of people, somebody's come to your mind that you're like, you know, yeah, there's somebody I could forgive, but I I don't know if I have, or I don't know if I want to. Or I know of a situation that happened and, and maybe I need to forgive, but I don't know if I'm ready. I just want you to, If the Holy Spirit's bringing that to your mind, he's bringing it to your mind for a reason because he wants us to be able to surrender that. Know this, that God has forgiven us of so much and he's calling us to be a forgiving people. Ephesians chapter four, verse 23 says this, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God and Christ has also forgiven you. So what he's telling us is that we are to be a people that do not live by feelings, but we live by faith. And we forgive others just as Christ has forgiven us. Remember that God has forgiven us, has forgiven us of so much. Here's number two Forgiveness frees us from misery. Anybody here love misery? <laughs> Not the movie. You love to live in misery? Well, no, nobody likes to live in misery, but how many times do we find ourselves there? It's kind of like, I don't know how I ended up here, but it's kind of like somehow. I'm in the neighborhood, but when you learn to forgive, it frees you from misery. When we don't forgive, it eats you up from the inside out, and we're miserable. Isn't that true? That's how misery works. It's like it just eats you up on the inside. And those who don't agree with that statement are usually not agreeing because they're they're in denial because they're in it right now. They're struggling, and um, a lot of times what we do is we try to cover that up. We'll lie to ourselves. We'll lie to others and just try to cover up the fact that our heart's broken, and, and we're not at a place where we're ready to forgive. You know, I used to, this, I'm not proud of this, okay? It's uh, not something I should, anyway, when I was a kid, I was a really good liar. I was a really good liar. I know you guys are like, wow, we're really proud of our pastor, huh? But when I was a kid, I was a really good liar. I, you know, mom and dad, if I, they could go ask them, they'll tell you. And, um, I remember as a kid, I would tell a lie, but the problem with telling a lie, here's the reason, we tell a lie because we want to do what we want to do and we don't want to pay the consequences or do the work. So I wanted what I wanted, very selfish, very self-centered. But the problem with that lie is that I had eventually to tell another lie to cover that lie, you know, because it would start to come to the surface. But like I said, I was pretty good at it. So then I learned to tell a lie to cover the lie that's covering the lie. Then I would tell a lie to cover the lie that covers the lie. You get where this is going, right? And before you know it, I had such a long list of lies, I couldn't keep track of them. I couldn't remember them. And all of a sudden, things started to fall apart, and I just felt miserable because I was trying to live this life of trying to cover things up. And as a son and daughter of God, he's not called us to live a life of trying to make other people pay and have an unforgiving heart and trying to cover things up. He says, forgiveness literally frees you from that feeling of misery you know what happens to some of us is when we're caught in a lie we have to tell another one to cover that one to cover that one to cover that one and all of a sudden we lose track of what's going on and in the madness uh, we eventually we lose our place in what we're trying to cover and instead God's saying why don't you come to a place instead of covering it surrendering it why don't you come to a place of just saying I need I need I need to let this go, I need to forgive so-and-so. I need to forgive that place. I need to forgive those people. Maybe you need to say, I need to forgive myself. Jesus, I need, I, need, I need to come to that place because I remember that God has forgiven me so much and that forgiveness frees me from that misery. Maybe you're here today and if you're not in a miserable place, you've been in one or you feel like you're heading for one, maybe it's a time when you just come and say, Lord, what is it I need to know so that I know what to do so that I can live in the freedom that you've called me to live in, not in that place of misery, but forgiveness is powerful. You know, when I was when I was, think think with me for a moment on this. If if you could ever have a superpower, what would it be? Think about that for a minute. What would it be? You know, um, there, there's so many of them out there that we could choose to be. Uh, maybe you want the superpower of flying. That would be that would be pretty cool. Or maybe you want the ability to stop time. Or the ability to read people's minds. A, a superpower of seeing through walls, you know, could be a fun one, or, or maybe it's creating fire, or maybe it's being at many places at one time, you know, that's your superpower. Or maybe you want to be invisible, or maybe you want to be the Wolverine, you know, to be able to fight and you got claws that come out of your, your hands, or, or maybe you want mind control, you know. What would, if you could have any superpower, what would that superpower be? Well, Years ago, Lisa used to have on the dining room table a box that just sat, just a little box, sat on the dining room table, and it was full of what's called conversation starters. And you you know what I'm talking about? You know, just ask some questions, and then everyone goes around the table and gets to talk about it. Well, this particular question came up. And the question was, what kind of a superpower would you like to have? So we went around the table, Seth started to share his, Drea shared hers, Lisa shared hers. And when it got to me, you know, I'd love to tell you that I, I, I said, I want the superpower to win souls for Christ, or I want the superpower of healing so I could heal all the people with the love of Jesus, but nay, I am but of flesh and blood. I wanted the superpower of invisibility so I could get into the movie theater free and watch movies all day long. You know, that was my, my desire of superpower. Now, you may be saying, what in the world does that have to do with forgiveness and misery? There was, there's the story of the Greek god Prometheus. Prometheus was said to be a god that could take on the identity of anybody that he wished. And so he did. He would take on the identity of this person, then this person. He'd take on the identity of this person, and then this person. And um, continued to do it just over and over and over again. The sad thing was is that after years and years and years of doing this, he forgot who he really was and he couldn't change back. He had literally lost his identity. He had worked so hard at being something that he was not, he forgot who he was in the very beginning. And when we have an unforgiving heart, and if we choose to live a life that covers up lie after lie, we lose our identity in Jesus Christ. We lose who we are and who he's created us to be. But when we forgive, it frees us from all of that misery and those games that, that people play or that we play ourselves. We don't have to play them anymore. You see, we're not created, you and I, to do well with sin. Okay, We live in a sinful world. We have a sinful nature. But when Jesus Christ created us, he, he created within us the ability to not do well with sin. Um, if you were to stick your hand into a vat of hydrochloric acid, when you pulled your hand back, you wouldn't see a hand anymore. You'd see a bloody stump, right? Because your hand is not designed to do well in hydrochloric acid. Well, you and I, when we were created, God created us in our very body, our soul, our spirit. And and he said, I've created you to not do well in in an environment of unresolved Sin or in an arena of unforgiveness. And when we hold on to sin on the inside, it makes us miserable because Jesus calls us to forgive. Amen? Okay. He calls us to forgive. So when we choose not to forgive, we're literally walking in disobedience. And when we're disobeying the Word of God, that's sin. And we don't do well with sin. So sometimes the reason we're so miserable and not doing well, maybe could be tied to the fact that maybe somewhere back here, there's an issue going on that I need to address. God did not create us to do well with sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Let's read this one together nice and loud. You ready? Go. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's literally saying this. You don't do well with sin. The wages of sin is death. That's not good. He says, so you're created to, to work in a whole, a completely different environment. There's two, there's two kinds of death. One is a physical death. That's the cessation of life. It stops, it ends. But there's also a spiritual death, which is an eternal thing. It's not a cessation of life, but it's a separation from God. So physical death is when you die. Spiritual death is when there's a separation between you and God. And not being able to forgive creates some of that separation. That's why it's so important. That's why it's so key. The Bible tells us that sin separates us from God and that the wages of sin is death. Sin separates us from God and we become miserable. But it isn't necessarily just sin that destroys people. It's unresolved sin that eats you alive. It's like something from the inside. I had a professor once say this, and I, I, I never forgot it in our, in our Bible college. He said, always forgive your enemies. Nothing annoys them more than that. (laughs) And I thought, it's it's true, isn't it?" it? It gets at them. But you see, you're not just forgiving them so you can annoy them. That's just a perk that comes along with it, all right? You're forgiving them because God has commanded us to. You're forgiving them because there's something that needs to be done in here first. So, you see, sin kills you whether it's your sin or other people's sin that you hold on to. We don't do well with any kind of, Sin, unresolved sin, or unforgiveness. Um, so when we ask for forgiveness, it releases the sin we've committed. Uh, it absolves guilt in our lives. Giving forgiveness to other releases their sin and eliminates resentment in our hearts. Um, doctors could clear hospitals if they could teach people how to deal with guilt and resentment. I started to allude to it last week about some medical doctors doing, doing some studies. Excuse me, a, a lady by the name of Lisa Berkman. She's an analyst at the University of California, at Berkeley. She did a study some time ago of 7,000 people. Her study showed that people who struggle with unforgiveness and resentment have weak social ties and have a two to five times higher death rate than those who were able to forgive and not hold on to resentment. This held true whether or not the person smoked, drank, jogged, or was overweight. So she concluded by saying, Loving people is more important to your health than eating healthy food. Some people in here are like, ooh, amen, I'm going out to Burger King, right? See, this is amazing. Don't get me wrong now. Just because you may love people doesn't mean that you shouldn't, you know, quit exercising and grab a box of Twinkies and a carton of Pall Malls and go at it. I'm not saying that. Take care of yourself. Steward well that which has, that God has given to you. But, She's saying you will still live longer without those unhealthy habits. Rather, she's saying we're not designed to do well with resentment. Our bodies, our physical bodies are not designed to do well with that. If you have resentment in your heart, your body reacts to that. And your physical body drips adrenaline into your bloodstream. Did you know that your cholesterol level rises 40% with the presence of adrenaline in your bloodstream? It doesn't matter how many pills you take, if there's a consistent presence of adrenaline in your bloodstream, it causes your cholesterol level to go up. And when there's this resentment, your body, your body doesn't know what's going on. You just, your body knows it's being attacked because this adrenaline's being released. It doesn't know if the attack's coming from the outside or if the attack's coming from the inside. It just knows it's under attack. And so it releases this adrenaline. And because of that release of adrenaline, all of a sudden the cholesterol level starts to go up. Studies show that when that happens, uh, your cholesterol level starts going up, and, and um, or when the adrenaline is is dumped into your bloodstream, number one, it causes you to age faster. Uh, also, it causes more physical pain in your life. With that adrenaline's in your system, it causes your body to break down, and then it causes your cholesterol to go up. So, what are you telling me, Pastor? You know, uh, I can stay young if I forgive. I don't know, there might be a little something to that. But I can tell you this, not only is there people that study it and can back it, they, they, whether they're aware of it or not, they're bringing it right back to the Word of God, the way that He created us. You see, all in all, and in every avenue, unforgiveness makes us miserable. That's why we have to be forgiving. So what what can help me in my future to learn to forgive? Remember that God has forgiven us. Number two, forgiveness frees us from ministry. And then write down number three, unforgiveness, it will block God's plan for your life. When when you choose not to forgive, you're blocking the flow of all of the blessings that God wants to bring forth in your life. Not that he's going to stop blessing you or, you know, well, God's going to leave me. No, God never leaves. He never forsakes. It's just that when we don't practice forgiveness, it may just block a few avenues of blessing that God wants to flow into our lives. Unforgiveness will stop the absolute best that God has for you. You may say, well, I've got a pretty good life, actually. I'm, I'm pretty content right now. But if you're harboring unforgiveness in your heart, then it puts up a roadblock for the best blessings that God wants to bring into your life. There's much more God wants to do in your life and through your life. But maybe for some of us, we have to deal with this issue of unforgiveness. If we're not careful, we'll see evidences of unforgiveness and not really know where it's coming from. We just keep trying to cover it up and cover it up. But when we do that, no matter how much you try to cover it up, it's going to come to the surface. If you have somebody in your, in your life right now that you know in your, in your heart. You need to forgive. Well, first of all, you know it. You're aware of it. But there, you cannot stuff that down so far that it's never going to come back to the surface at some point. It's just going to take the right trigger to bring it back up. And so we need to learn to be able to deal with that and deal with the source, not just, you ever play that game whack-a-mole or seen it play, you know, that little groundhog thing starts, wham, 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 wham. You want to make that whole thing quit, unplug the machine, right? <laughs> you go to the source. I, I I, worked in, my wife and I both worked during Bible college. We lived in Dallas, Texas, and uh, she worked at a hotel downtown. I worked at a hotel more up north, and it had, my, my hotel had 305 rooms. It paled in comparison to hers. We always have this ongoing joke about whose hotel was better, and so I was, we're bragging to our kids, and we went to Dallas with the kids, and said, let's, let's show them our hotel. Well, it's been 15, 20 years, and when I pulled up, I didn't know they closed my hotel and turned it into a nursing home. So that didn't go over well for me, you know. So they're like, great, Dad. Nice hotel. Uh, and Lisa's, where she worked, only skyrocketed. Um, but when I did work at this hotel, I was the maintenance guy. Now, up here, they call them maintenance, okay? Down in the South, they call them engineers. So how cool was it when I moved to Dallas, and I got to call my parents and say, I just got a job, I'm an engineer. You know, they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm an engineer. They're like, well, what do you do? I'm a maintenance guy. <laughs> and so, but my job, but I wasn't even really a maintenance guy. If you guys have heard me speak long enough, you know how gifted I am not with my hands. I can do little things, you know, a little bit of plumbing, a little bit of electrical, a little bit of drywall, just a little bit of jack of all trades, master of none. You know, my, my gifting, my, my sweet spot, is picking up the phone and calling my son-in-law, okay? You know, you come fix this thing. And, um, but when I worked at this hotel, they would give me projects. My job was to take care of the customers. My job was that if they complain, make sure you get up there and fix what's wrong. If there's a need, you know, make it happen. If something's broke, try to fix it. If you can't fix it, put a big Band-Aid on it and wait till the real maintenance guys get there tomorrow morning and they'll fix it. I'm like, okay. And... Um, so they gave me a few projects. They were teaching me some things. Well, I got called to a room one night, and there was a leak in the ceiling. And so I went, my tool belt, looking all ready for action, walked in there. I looked up at the ceiling, and I went, yep, you got a leak in your ceiling. <laughs> it was pretty deep, wasn't it? <laughs> and I'm like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, so I, I moved the ceiling tile. I looked. I saw, you know, the, the, the metal things. See, I'm not a maintenance guy, but the ceiling tile." <laughs> That the ceiling tile sits in, water's streaming down it, and I'm like, huh, yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> and they were like, yeah. And I thought, I can get a new ceiling tile, but you and I both know what's going to happen. This one's turned to mush, and you know, I, I, give it, I give it maybe six hours before it turns to mush again, and I haven't really addressed the problem. I just was looking at some of the effects of it. So I thought, well, I can figure this out. So I started chasing it down. And I started, I noticed it went into the next room. So that room happened to be vacant. So I looked through that ceiling and it went to the next room. And on and on. And, and eventually what I found out is as I went and I was chasing this down. Though the evidence of the leak was showing up in this one particular room, the source of the leak was coming from a great distance down the hallway. The ceiling tile in one room was being damaged by the water, but Like I said, you can't just take the ceiling tile out, put a new one in and call it good. It doesn't work that way. You've got to find the source of the leak. Otherwise, destruction is going to continue to happen. The source of the leak was way down the hallway, which ran along a a pipe or something like that. You know, I just followed the water and then it dropped into this one particular room. So if I want to fix the leak in this room, I can't just address the ceiling tile. I got to address the source of the leak, which is what I did as best as I could. Unforgiveness is very similar to that. It may show up in the most unexpected places, and finding its source is often difficult, yet it's key. For example, you may get angry with your cousin and allow unforgiveness to take root in your heart. And that same unforgiveness maybe shows up later in a relationship with someone that reminds you of your cousin. They may have nothing to do with your cousin, look like your cousin, act like your cousin. But there's something that reminds you of them. And all of a sudden, that anger, that resentment, all of a sudden, that unforgiveness starts to be triggered. Uh, the, the, The same can be true if you have unforgiveness against your parents. Years later, you could be halfway across the world, grown adults, children of your own. But all of a sudden, something happens that triggers something. And it reminds you of something that happened back when you were a child. And it becomes an unresolved issue that is like an open wound. And unless you tend to it and address the source, not just the effects of it, it'll always be festering right below the surface. In, in, in the Bible, uh, a letter was sent to Timothy, and Paul was talking to him and said this. He said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Now, we don't know what it is, whether it was slander or betrayal. We don't know what took place. Paul doesn't say, but we do know that there was a deep wound caused by Alexander. Enough for Paul to write about it in the Bible. Paul also warned and said, Timothy, and said, be on your guard against him yourself. Paul knew that this Alexander was a was a vile, evil man. So he told Timothy, be careful. Although this man caused Paul great pain, and we don't know what it was that actually happened, Paul did not allow unforgiveness to take root in his heart. He knew that if he didn't forgive this man, it would not affect Alexander, it would affect him. He understood that. And so that's why he had to choose to forgive, because otherwise, if he was unwilling to do that, it would block the flow and the plans that God had for him in his life. Maybe there's somebody you need to forgive, let go. It's not about letting them off the hook. It's about letting you off the hook so that you can have God's complete and utter blessings. Here's number four, write down, unforgiveness will imprison us in our past. When we choose not to forgive, it imprisons us. And it, it imprisons us in our past. When something happens, whether it's perceived wrong or it's an actual wrong and we don't forgive, it imprisons us. Uh, I think we've all had them. Have you ever had those dreams? Uh, you know, there's like a handful of them. One of them is the dream where you're, you're falling from a great height, maybe you're falling off a building or something like that, and all of a sudden you wake up kind of, you know, startled and kind of gets you that way. Or, or maybe you've had the dream where you're in school or at work or somewhere in the community and you realize you forgot to get dressed or something like that, and it's this huge embarrassment, and you wake up, you know, oh, thank God that wasn't a reality, Right? But the one dream that it seemed like I dealt with more so when I was a kid, and, and, and sometimes when I'm an adult, is you ever have that dream that's a little bit spooky, and then it turns from spooky to scary, <laughs> and you realize a monster or the boogeyman is chasing you? You know what I mean? It, I don't know who your monster or boogeyman would be, but you ever had that dream where you're running away from somebody, but you just can't get away? And, and not only that, but you feel like you're waist deep in caramel, and you're going slow motion? And the slower you go, the faster the boogeyman's coming at you. And you kind of have this panic attack that takes place. It it doesn't matter what you do. You cannot get away from him. And those are horrible dreams to have. But it got me thinking that's the way it is when we have an unforgiving heart. You can't run away from this. It's going to surface sooner or later. Well, what gets rid of the boogeyman of unforgiveness? Forgiving. Forgiving. cultivating that heart of forgiving. Unforgiveness doesn't allow you to get away from the monster that's biting at your heels. What it does when you choose to not forgive is it imprisons you to your past and it will not let you go. Jesus talked about this same nightmare. We read in the book of Matthew, that we read about in the book of Matthew, he told the parable of the king who forgave one subject, but then that subject couldn't forgive another one of a smaller amount or a smaller portion. So I'm gonna read the last two verses. This is out of the New Century uh, Version same same last two verses just said a little differently the master was very angry and he put the servants in prison to be punished until he could pay everything he owed the king did what my heavenly father will do if you do not forgive a brother or sister from your heart this is how important it is the king heard about this he says and the king said i forgive you and if i forgive you couldn't you have done the same couldn't you have paid it forward could you have just taken the, the forgiveness that I gave to you and gave it to somebody else and just passed it along? What Jesus was telling us is this, if we don't forgive, it doesn't imprison another person, it imprisons us. I'm not going to forgive them until they have really groveled and they, they really pay and they really suffer. They're, they're probably off on the beach having a great time while you're trying to make them pay. You're the one that's imprisoned. That's why forgiveness is so important. It. it if I put up a defense and say, yeah, well, I'm not going to forgive you. You messed with me. All of a sudden, a wall goes up. Guess which side of the wall you're on? You're on the, the part that's prisoned, imprisoned. That's what lack of forgiveness does. If I put up that defense, the only one that pays is me. That's why we must choose to forgive. We say, well, I want them to pay. You, you've got to release that. and You've got to trust that Jesus is going to take care of that. Because forgiveness is a gift we give in order to keep ourselves free from the past. That, that, that's why we give it. This way we can move forward because forgiveness cuts the line. And what it does is it sets us free. But maybe you're thinking, pastor, you just don't understand. You don't know. You, you don't know what happened. You don't know how hard uh, it is to forgive. I can't get it out of my mind. And every time I think of it, it cuts me again. And it just, there's this resentment that's with. In my heart this thing this person that 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 wronged me or hurt me i just can't seem to get rid of it do you know we get our word resentment from a greek word called resento which isn't a huge leap but it means this if you were to define it it means re the pain of the past betrayal or whatever that wound was the difference you see is that this time with resentment instead of being cut by somebody you're cutting yourself over and over and over. Every time you bring it up, every time you're, you, you, you think about that, every time you choose not to forgive, you're cutting yourself over and over and over again, expecting them to feel the pain, but it, it's only us. It's, it, when we choose not to forgive, we're the ones that feel the pain. Maybe someone here this morning needs to hear that because you've been thinking you're making somebody pay, but you're the only one that's been paying. Maybe somebody is here today and there's an anger that you've had and you can't seem to forgive. There's just this hurt and you know, you're using your ammunition to shoot at them, but the only person you're hitting is yourself. And it's bringing more pain in your life. I'm not saying just let it go. I addressed that last week. But I'm saying surrender it to Jesus. Jesus because he's the only one that can bring the healing you need. People sometimes say, Pastor, I can't forget what they did. You may not always forget, but you can choose to start. You start forgetting. How do I start? Well, it starts with forgiving. It starts with forgiving. And then you let the Holy Spirit lead you through that. You know, through the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord said this about forgiveness for his people. He said, For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Now don't get me wrong, forgiveness is going to require some work on your part and on on my part. It's going to require some intentionality, but he's saying in the Bible here, he's saying when you choose to forgive, it will not go unrewarded. Jesus sees all of that. If you really want to forget what happened in your life, then it starts with ending the process of feeding the fire. Quit throwing logs on the fire and letting there be some gasoline on there as well, because then it just becomes bigger and brighter. But he says, work at it. Because the reward is a healed heart. The reward is a whole heart. And we can be free from the past. And then the last one, number five, how can I be a better forgiver -er? Is, know this, unforgiveness makes us become like the ones we can't forgive. It's an ugly truth, but it's truth. When you and I are unable to forgive somebody, we end up becoming just like them. And I know some people right now are maybe responding with like, oh, no, 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 that's not true. That we're responding that way because we don't want to believe that, right? Is usually the first thing. But, but it's very true. The most hideous effect of unforgiveness is that if we don't forgive, we become just like the one that we can't forgive. A man in the Bible by the name of Absalom, he was a man that had some great issues of unforgiveness. His sister was raped by, an, uh, by a, a relative by the name of Amnon. And the sister confided to her brother Absalom and tells tells him what he did. He said, she told him, Amnon did this to me. So Absalom was so furious and unforgiving that he sat on that little nugget for two years. He let the anger well up within him for two years, scheming and planning of what he could do. Time went by, but unforgiveness festered inside of Absalom's heart until one day he called to meet Amnon. And Amnon thought, Maybe, maybe we're good. Maybe he's finally chilled out. Maybe he's finally calmed down and we can just kind of move along and get along. And Absalom said, let's make a deal. Now I'm paraphrasing the scripture. This is in the Old Testament. I'm shortening it down here. But he said, come on, let's, let's live together in peace. But in order to do so, Amnon, you and your men, if we're going to walk in this peace, you all need to be circumcised. So Amnon said, okay, all him and the men, Went through the process of circumcision they agreed to it thinking everything was okay and then a couple days after the circumcision was complete when the men of amnon were at their weakest absalom attacked and killed all of them you know the most shocking part of this story of absalom is that he became the very man he hated first he hated his half brother for raping his sister then he hated his own father king david for banishing him and not giving him what he felt like he was entitled have now when you tune into the scriptures a little bit later you see the bitterness that's inside of absalom that he defies defiles uh defies his father and defiles his father's concubine and goes in and sleeps with every one of them just to to get back at his dad he has now become the man that he has hated the most a rapist a man who's banished from his family and he'd become just like one of the first ones that he could not forgive, Amnon. See, this is a dangerous thing, unforgiveness, or being, not being willing to forgive. It threatens each of us. And maybe you have a supervisor you don't like. That supervisor might lack compassion and doesn't support you or speak well of you. But the reality is, is if somebody is speaking ill of you, if somebody is talking poorly about you, and then you go and you start saying, did you hear what they're saying about about me? And then you tell them, and then you tell them, and you tell them, you're becoming just like the one is doing the same thing to you. And we got to reel that in and say, wait a minute, Jesus, what do you have to say about this? Because I don't want to be imprisoned in my past. How about you? And when it comes to forgiveness, I want to make sure that I'm not becoming like the thing that has once hurt me or harmed me. I want to be able to forgive and release that so my heart can be healed and whole. My prayer for us today is that we can let the Lord search our heart, and try our ways, so that we don't have to walk in the pain, so that we don't have to walk in uh, the heaviness of depression, but we can walk in the spirit of forgiveness. And like I said, sometimes the people you need to forgive, you can find them in the mirror. Sometimes you got to forgive yourself. You got to let yourself off the hook in order for that healing to come into your heart and into your life. Well, it's a process. I'm not going to say it's easy, but I'm going to say it's one of those things that's simple to do, but yet it's it's something that is a process you do through your lifetime. You see the key is to not focus on the wrong, but focus on what's right in your life. Don't focus on the bad, focus on the good. Focus on not just the world, but focus on the word. And you'll find that he says forgiveness is so powerful. Here's what I want to do. Maybe while I've been talking, preaching like I said, somebody's situation has come up on your mind and your heart. You don't have to wait to release that. You don't have to wait to let that go. Well, you know, I'm gonna study that. I'll pray about it. The Bible says you don't have to pray about forgiving. Find out what God thinks about it. You just forgive. So I just wanna ask you to do this. Would you just close your eyes with me? I wanna ask if you just put your hands out in front of you. And as I do this, maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't feel like I got anything I need to forgive. Well, then just do this with us. But maybe you're here today and there's something you need to let go of. Would you just picture what that is and as if it's placed in your hands? And we're going to give that to God today. Obviously, I can't make you do that. Uh, maybe you're still struggling and it's something you have to do at a later time. Maybe you have to do it not just once, but twice, and three times, maybe four times. But know this, that when you surrender it to God, it's done. Whoever that person is, whatever that situation is, God, we're giving that to you. We're laying that at your feet. And Jesus, we're asking you today that you would come and help us to be a people who learn these principles of forgiveness because we want to walk in healing. We want to walk in wholeness. And Lord, even when life doesn't make sense and even when it seems like it's friendly fire that's attacking us, Father, we declare today that your kingdom come, your will be done. And Lord, help us to know our role in that place. Help us to know where we are to stand when the bullets are flying. And help us to be a people that don't pick up offenses. Help us to be a people that learn to be quick to forgive. So Jesus, that situation, those people, we just give that to you now. And just picture yourself giving it to him. Jesus, we lay that at your feet. And Lord, if we try to pick it up, would you just kindly smack our hands? Let us know it's not ours anymore. We love you, Jesus, and we ask this all in your name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in this morning. We hope that you'll join us again next week, or better yet, join us in person. We are located at 816 13th Avenue North in Clinton, Iowa. Our Sunday morning worship service is at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. If you have any questions about our church or what it means to follow Christ, check us out online at cotod.church. That's C-O-T-O-D dot church. We look forward to hearing from you soon.